Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! And welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, R.M. Layton. I'm a prospect writer and analyst, as well as one of the co-founders of JustBaseball.com. And in today's episode, we have a bonus episode talking about the second half or the rest of the St. Louis Cardinals farm system. I'm going to go through the rest of the top 10. If you missed part one, go check that out first. And then we're going to get through the rest of the top 10 here. And then some other notable names to watch because there were some prospects that I saw in the backfields that I really like that I'm excited to get into as well as some of the other guys on the back end of this top 10. Happy minor league opening day to everybody. As I am recording this, it is a Tuesday afternoon. It's April 5th, and we finally have minor league baseball underway. It's triple A opening day. Then we have double A coming up tomorrow, or maybe if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, it's today. So I hope you're excited and as excited as I am. Big league opening day the next day. So it is a very fun three days in a row that we have here to get headfirst going into this baseball season at every single level. Very excited about that. So some of these prospects I'm very excited to see and very interested to see how they will look this year. And when you get to the backside of this Cardinals top 10, it gets a bit, uh, I would say, interchangeable. And I say that about certain farm systems where a lot of guys are similar to the same level in talent in terms of where they rank as a prospect at this point. And that's kind of where it gets at the back end here. Because, for example, How do you rank a Michael McGreevy, who was the 18th overall pick in 2021 out of UC Santa Barbara? He can really pitch, uh, but also doesn't have anything that just jumps off the charts. So probably more of a higher floor type of arm that slots more of a three or four. Uh, That's what I would probably say, uh, but you never know. It's still going to be his first real professional season. But then also, how do you compare that guy to a Juan Yepes, who puts up ridiculous offensive numbers, but does not really have a position, and for whatever reason, even with the ridiculous numbers, did not make the team for the Cardinals and ended up having his job kind of taken by that Albert Pujols dude who's coming back home, which I love, but it might be hard to justify that Pujols at this stage of his career is better than Juan Yepes could be for them at the big league level. Might be a little bit of prospect bias there, but I look at a Yepes and I see what he did last year, which I'll get to in a second because he's number eight on this list, and I find it hard to believe that Uh, 49-year-old Albert Pujols is going to be able to do more than what Yepes did 
or what he's able to do uh, even at the big league level this coming season. So I'll start with Michael McGreevy because McGreevy is a high floor arm, no doubt about it. I think 18th overall was a little bit early for him, but the 2021 stats were really strong in terms of commanding the strike zone. It's pretty crazy how well he is able to command his fastball and slider has a decent feel for the changeup. But the problem is none of those pitches really stand out. Fastball is 92 to 94 with a little bit of arm side run. Slider is, I have it at a 50 pitch with a 55 future grade. He locates it really well to his glove side and that allows it to play up a little bit, but it's not some devastating plus pitch. The changeup is average again, but he commands it well and already shows a pretty good feel for it. I have plus command already on Michael McGreevy, 60 present, 65 to 70 future command here. And I mean, you could see that by the numbers that he put up uh, at the collegiate level in 2021. 101 and two-thirds innings, 2.92 ERA, 115 Ks, 11 walks. 115 Ks and 11 walks. It's just absolutely outrageous. But he did give up a decent amount of contact, a 1.18 whip. So you would wonder, whip stands for walks and hits per inning pitched. Well, we already went to the walks, and he only had 11 of those in 101 innings. So that just kind of shows you how many hits he gave up. He does give up a lot of loud contact. That does concern me. I do see... McGreevy's ceiling being a bit tempered for that reason, but the Cardinals saw something they liked to take him that early. They really, I think, want to develop his stuff, and they figure the command's already there. Let's see how the stuff continues to develop. That'll be interesting to follow this year. What is good is that he already has some of the things that are very hard to teach, and we'll see if the stuff can tick up. He's projectable at 6'4", 215 pounds, and that's what the Cardinals are really betting on here. The good news is he has three average pitches or better and supreme command in a projectable frame. If he didn't have the projectable frame, I'd be concerned, but the frame gives hope for more. I would say he has the floor of a low-end four, uh, and I would say the ceiling of, of a high-end three. So not a very wide range of outcomes here, but you never know. The stuff could tick up, so I don't want to fully temper his ceiling. Honestly, as I discuss it, though, and as we flesh it out, because a lot of times I'm revisiting the older prospects rankings and telling you kind of where I want to shuffle these things around and shuffle some of these players around, it might be hard to justify McGreevy over Yepes. But the question is, again, if if McGreevy is a number four starter, that's probably more valuable than a guy that's going to really have to hit to be a legitimate DH. So it just shows how hard it is to sometimes rank these opposite types of players uh, against each other. But Juan Yepes in a vacuum was phenomenal last year and really projects to be an interesting bat for the Cardinals, though I could see him being a trade chip just because they have so much depth with the with the bats that they have. I know that they want to call up eventually not too far away down the future here. Nolan Gorman, Alec Burleson already made his way to AAA. I know those are two lefties, but it just seems like they have the extra corner outfield slash DH type of bat. They signed Dickerson. They signed Pujols. I know that Yepes is the one righty, so he has that going for him. That's why I might see Newt Barr or Burleson more likely to be dealt. But given that Yepes is pretty much big league ready now, there could be a scenario here where a team wants him here and wants to bring him in. I, I don't know why the, the Rockies or another team like that that could use some pop doesn't take a chance here and see if Yepes can translate at the big league level because he really, really hit in AAA. I mean, the numbers were fantastic at the AAA level. 92 games for him, 22 home runs, a 289, 382, 589 slash line. It's a 154 WRC plus, perhaps most impressively, only struck out 19% of the time, walked 12% of the time. So you're looking at a guy with big time pop and also is not striking out much and continues to just 
put it together at the plate. I really liked what I saw from him in spring training. The power was just ridiculous. He would miss underballs that would just carry out of the yard in BP in the game. Even his fly balls were big league pop-ups. It's very effortless power, not a ton of movement in his swing. Adding those 15 to 20 pounds of strength in the offseason uh, going into 2021 really changed things for him because he was never a guy that hit a ton of home runs. I don't think he really ever hit more than 12 or so in a single season and then comes out and hits 27 between AA and AAA last year. He had five and 19 games in AA. That was the 15 to 20 pounds of strength that he added and did not have to have uh, a ton of loud movement or anything to his swing. What I like about Yepes is there's a few guys that do this in the minor leagues. Tristan Casas is another one that does it. Uh, and there's a couple guys in the big leagues that did it. Yermin Mercedes is an example. Bichette does it as well. Uh, but this approach where you have a bit more of a leg kick early in the count, trying to let it eat and do some damage, which Yepes was trying to do now because he realized, OK, I'm, I'm positionless. Uh, I'm, not, I'm either going to be playing a mediocre corner outfield first base or DHing. Uh, so he realized he needed to hit for more power. So on top of adding that strength, he also added a little bit more violence to his swing. He starts pre-stacked on his backside, but has a bit more of a leg kick when he is ahead in the count or early in the count trying to do damage, trying to lift. But when he gets to two strikes, when he gets behind, that's where we'll see him widen out a little bit, temper down the leg kick, and really just focus on throwing his hands at the ball and making contact because he already has that natural strength. He's able to still put up some pretty good power numbers, even without all of the Uh, I guess aggression in his swing. He's still able to run into some home runs, but it helped him cut the strikeout rate down while the power still stayed pretty prominent there. And that two strike approach really helped him a lot. doesn't work for everybody. They're not able to have those two different timing mechanisms, but the stacked on the backside and a toe tap really worked for him. And it was reminiscent of Yermin Mercedes or what you might see from Tristan Casas to, to mitigate some of that swing and miss. Defensively, he's limited to first base or DH. Uh, You could really throw him in the outfield if you really, really, really needed to. At the end of the day, they have three gold glove caliber outfielders in in the uh, outfield for St. Louis. So you could maybe hide him in right uh, in a pinch, but it probably makes more sense to see him as a DH in the future if the Cardinals don't move on from Yepes. But when it comes to guys in the minor leagues who had 25 or more home runs and a K rate under 20%, there's only two other players that did it outside of Yepes was Anthony Volpe and Jose Miranda. So we're talking about very good company here in terms of power and low strikeout combination. Yes, he had the big league baseballs working to his advantage in AAA, but still there weren't that many other guys doing it in AAA. So very impressive stuff from Yepes. I do really believe in the bat, but it is a wonder as to why he is not on this Cardinals roster, because if you wanted to cite defensive limitations, then you could do that. But then they went out and signed Albert Pujols. Maybe that's just because it's Albert freaking Pujols and he needs to retire a Cardinal. And I might just chalk it up to that and not anything to do with Yepes. Uh, But it's not like Corey Dickerson is the most wonderful defender in the outfield either. So a little bit surprising, but they wanted to go more veteran heavy. And I get that. I get that to a degree because the rest of their team is fairly young outside of the established, established vets. They do have some young guys in the outfield and uh, maybe they wanted to move in some other more experienced outfielders. Not sure, but I think Yepes can play. Very interesting that uh, the Cardinals aren't giving him a chance out of the gate here, but who knows? He might be getting a chance a little bit later. Ironically, the next guy is somebody that... I had mentioned in the last episode as a card that is worth buying, and he's a bit reminiscent. The more I think about it, he's pretty similar potentially to Corey Dickerson in terms of the profile and what he'll be able to do at the big league level potentially if it all works out. Alec Burleson checks in at the nine spot here 
in the top 10 for the Cardinals. He is a guy that has a comfortably above average field to hit, has, I think, above average power potential, has already shown that he can tap into it with 22 home runs across the three levels last year, which was really impressive in his first pro season. He told us in an interview, which you can go check out the full write-up at JustBaseball.com, about how much that added strength that he was able to tap into after giving up pitching really helped him in terms of tapping into the power because he always had the hit tool. He's already put up quite comfortable double and home run numbers through that first season. And I really like the way he's able to use the whole field. I like the way that despite not being very fast at all, he's a subpar runner, probably 30 to 35 grade runner. He is able to get some pretty good reads out there. The arm is solid given that he was also a pitcher, but the bat's really the calling card here. And that's what's similar to Corey Dickerson, a guy that's going to make a lot of contact, run into 20 to 25 home runs, and maybe not play the best defense ever, but he will be more than serviceable out there. I know Dickerson won a gold glove, but trust me, he is not a good defender. Uh, I think Burleson can be right around that not great to average defender, but the bat really is the play here. He's able to survive left on left. He got better in that regard. I think he's going to be able to continue to get better in that regard, but that is something to watch. But he hit really well against righties. He has a swing that is just conducive to contact to all fields. And I'm a big fan of Burleson as a person in terms of his approach, his makeup, and the way he plays the game. And then again, it's really hard to deny results when in your first professional season as a former two-way player, you're able to go up from high A to double A to triple A and put up a slash line of 270, 329, 454, 22 home runs, 40 extra base hits, a 108 WRC plus, 20% K rate, 8% walk rate. I mean, pretty just solid across the board. Uh, That's just what Alec Burleson gives you. Burleson's probably a guy that needs another couple hundred plate appearances in the minor leagues. I've been really encouraged by his ABs in spring training so far. I know the numbers aren't great, but I do really like what we saw from him in spring training thus far in terms of how comfortable he is against some very good big league arms, relievers, and everything in between. I thought his at-bats were good. He's probably looking at a late-season call-up if the Cardinals are out of it in September or has a chance to try to break camp next year. At 23 years old, very impressive that he was able to really just kind of jumpstart after a long college career to be able to make up and catch up to some of the younger guys that were already at that higher level. We know how aggressive the Cardinals like to be. I'm assuming he'll be in AAA and will continue to hit out there, and the Cardinals could call him up if they're in a pinch, but again, probably needs a few hundred plate appearances down there. Next year probably makes more sense. Coming in at number 10 is a guy that has the potential to be able to leapfrog just about everybody on this list uh, outside of the guys at the top, but also has, I would say, very high risk and bust potential. It's Joshua Baez, outfielder, overslot second round pick by the Cardinals back in the 2021 draft as well. I believe McGreevy was an underslot guy, so this was able to afford them a little bit more money to go get the high school toolsy, explosive type of hitter in Josh Baez, but super raw. I mean, the swing, it was uh, very rough and bumpy when he was a prospect in high school, right? When he was a draft guy, it's kind of what kept him out of the first round. But the raw power is so immense for an 18-year-old that the Cardinals, who did a good job of targeting a guy with immense raw power in 2020, I'm not comparing him to Jordan Walker, but Jordan Walker was a guy with some perceived swing and miss, not nearly as much as Josh Baez, and they took the chance and he was ahead of his years. Baez struggled in his 23 complex games. I'm not going to try to put too much stock into that. I want to see how he looks this year. I did get to see him on the backfields 
recently, a couple weeks ago, and he looked a little bit more under control. I still think there's going to be some major growing pains there, and it's just not a big deal. I don't think anybody's expecting him to debut before 2025, but you know, it's hard to rank somebody up there that high that struck out 30% of the time in the complex games, and you can understand why he struck out that much. Like, There's just a lot going on in that swing. But at 6'4", 220 pounds, above average run times, which is a testament to his athleticism and just that ridiculous raw power, as I alluded to earlier, you can see what he is able to potentially do at the plate. He is extremely, extremely, extremely gifted. And he can also run it up to 96 on the mound. So he has the potential to be an above average defender in the corner, running well, throwing absolute missiles and hitting for pop. So, I mean, you could hope for that Joey Gallo type of outcome. I think there's also hope that he'll be a bit better bat to ball wise. But right now, there's too many moving parts and he needs to really iron out that swing more than enough time. He's young. And in terms of the skill set, he is worth following just on that alone. Really impossible to project him because of of how far off he is, but all all of his ridiculous tools. So all I'll just say is keep following him because if he puts it together, look out. Uh, but also there's a chance he doesn't put it together. So I'm sorry for the lack of specifics, but that's just the way it's got to be for now. Uh, But very excited. He's one of the top of the list of guys, and I'm excited to just kind of see how they acclimate to start their real professional career. I don't really count 23 complex games as your professional debut. I really want to see the professional debut this year. Before I get to my backfield boys that really impressed me, a few other names that are very solid Brandon Donovan was a seventh round pick out of the University of South Alabama, had a great career there and then was really solid this year. I mean, he was just put up some great numbers between another high A, double A, triple A guy that his numbers got better at each level. It's it's kind of wild. High A, 25 games, 806 OPS, double A, 50 games, 860 OPS. Triple A, 33 games, 885 OPS. Uh, That's good to see. That is good to see. And Donovan can play all over the diamond. He's 25 years old, can play a little bit of second base, a little bit of outfield, can play third base as well. Not the fleetest of foot, but he is an above average runner. Swipe 19 bags, albeit on 27 chances. But the fact that he's trying is kind of just proof that he is at least better than average at running. He is a great utility type of option for you. And The Cardinals added him to the 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft for a reason. I mean, they knew that he would probably be taken because of all those reasons, the utility, the bat, the the athleticism. And even though the Rule 5 draft was canceled, the Cardinals added him to their 40-man to protect him because they like this guy and they see him as a part of their future, potentially, as a very solid utility piece. So, Brandon Donovan, look out for him. I think he could help the big league team this year. Pedro Pages. Another player who is interesting enough, former sixth round pick. He swung the bat pretty well for a college catching prospect that was taken in day two. Uh, But he also has some ability behind the dish. So keep up with him. Freddie Pacheco could be a bullpen player for them, a bullpen arm for them as soon as possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up in the bullpen relatively soon. He was unhittable at times last season. He struck out 44% of batters. Uh, between the three levels, another three-level guy, upper 90s fastball, wipeout slider. I think he's going to be in the bullpen for them, if not right away, very, very soon. I mean, the swing and miss stuff is just outrageous. A couple prospects from the backfield who really stood out to me. I loved, loved what I saw from Juan Bin Cho. Juan Bin Cho was signed for a little bit under $500,000 out of South Korea, and he's projectable. 
Uh, he, he's got a pretty big build already. It's six foot, 200 pounds ish, but there's even more room. He's got broad shoulders to add even more strength. I love this swing. I watched him inside out of baseball, a laser beam. He's a left-handed hitter, inside out, line shot into left field. He also is able to turn on it. I saw him take one pull side, just foul, but really showed how quick and whippy the hands are on a pitch middle in. And then he went off the wall in dead center on a pitch that was down, really stayed through it well. Great body control, really quick bat, and is able to manipulate the barrel really well for an 18-year-old. Present strength already. This is a dude that I think is actually going to look really good to start. I don't know what his assignment's going to be to start the season, given that he's still extremely young, not even 19 years old yet. But I am very intrigued to see how he progresses because I like Cho a lot. And it's not like 400 to it was just under $500,000 is chump change for an international free agent. That's a pretty good deal of money, especially for a player that is as young as him from South Korea. Uh, not really sure how often guys from South Korea in the IFA market are getting that kind of money. I know we've seen some other players who go and dominate in Japan or dominate in South Korea for several years, but for a teenager from that market, pretty interesting testament to just how interesting and good he is. I think this guy could be a legitimate, legitimate prospect and the bat really plays and he can move a little bit too. Need to see more defensively. Not going to say anything definitive there because I just did not get to see enough there. But the bat to ball was impressive and the impact on the baseball stood out. It was impressive, especially for a player of his age. Another player who was really interesting that had a bad year. Don't look up the numbers and just be like, oh, what is this guy talking about? Just just. Let's see what he does this year. I want to say that before because the numbers were really rocky for Gustavo Rodriguez last year for the Cardinals. He was 19 years old, just had turned 20 at some point during the season and got the nod in low A and just was not great there for the Palm Beach Cardinals in 40 innings. Really struggled with command, walked 27. He did punch out 41. But watching him on the backfields, the velo ticked up. He's up to the mid-90s now with a ton of life, though. This is some crazy riding action to it. He was blowing fastballs by guys. He has a slurvy breaking ball that is nasty as well. He was getting some crazy swings and misses. I loved the way the fastball was able to stay on the line or have that riding action as well, though. Froze a lot of hitters at the knees because, again, our brains are kind of programmed where you see where the ball is going to or where the ball is out of his hand and then where it is mid-flight and our brains are able to anticipate where that ball is going to be. The pitchers that are really good are the guys that manipulate the baseball to where it ends up where we don't think it's going to be. How do you think our brains are able to tell the bat where to go when we make the decision to swing and it ends up being able to meet the ball? That's what makes the pitches that we see from guys like Gustavo Rodriguez so effective because when it starts about belt high, maybe at peak flight, you're thinking, okay, that's going to drop down below the knees. And when it has that kind of riding action in that life and that backspin that Gustavo Rodriguez has on his pitch, you end up just keeping it on a straight line and it stays belt higher at the knees and is a called strike at the bottom of the zone. So not only do you get the swings and misses at the top of the zone as it almost just floats right over the barrel, but you also freeze guys at the bottom of the zone. So that sets you up for a lot of different pitches. He's 6'3", 162. So he has more room to fill out and continue to be more physical. I think he's closer to 170 now. I think he put on some strength, but still just turned 21 years old. Fastball velo up. Command looked better. The slurvy breaking ball was really good. I want to see a third pitch mixed in, but I can promise you he will be better than his numbers uh, demonstrated. In 2021 in low A, I can almost assure you that this guy is going to be a very solid arm. Might be there's some reliever risk there, but Rodriguez is a very interesting arm worth following. 
Last but not least, a couple other names that are interesting that either had some pretty decent years last year or just have enough going for them where you should be following them, worth following. Luke and Baker is another positionless masher type. He put up some pretty ridiculous power numbers last year, uh, but doesn't get on base at a crazy clip. Was not protected from the Rule 5 draft, so it kind of shows how the Cardinals may feel about him. Rule 5 canceled, so they keep him. 26 home runs last year between AA and AAA. Most of those coming in double, actually all of them coming in double A, but still a very big dude with a ton of power that really saw it break through last year and it could be, could be interesting. Malcolm Nunez is a prospect that very easily could be cracking this top 10 here. And I think he's starting to make a push for it with a strong couple months of the season, probably breaks into the top 10. He was very solid in double A. He's a pretty good athlete. He's got I would, I would at least say above average power. He's starting to control his swing a bit better. The K rates have gotten into check. And he had a good year between the two levels. Also, Tink Hentz is somebody that I could see exploding on the mound. Very, very athletic pitcher. He was slow rolled last year in rookie ball as a young, young, one of the youngest guys in the 2020 draft, taking 63rd overall. And I think they really wanted to take their time with him. But this guy could be really good. He's extremely athletic, 6'1", 180. Wiry strong, but really could be electric. Fastball, already pretty high quality, good profile, good shape. Curveball is a plus potential pitch as well. Another guy that should be on your radar. But that'll do it for this Cardinals system rundown. I hope you enjoyed part one and part two. And again, if you missed the Monday episode, Jack and I talked about a bunch of the big minor league assignments and what they mean and uh, predicted some of the other potential assignments and how long it will take for some of these prospects to get to the big league level. I will have it might be tough, to be honest, to get a prospect interview. I have a bunch of guys lined up for the next couple weeks, but tomorrow might be tough given that it's minor league opening day and a lot of guys are moving and getting acclimated. So we may not have that tomorrow. Might have to do an alternate episode for tomorrow, but giving you that bonus episode this week because... It is opening week for minor league baseball. Have a very, very good and exciting list of prospects that will be ready to go uh, and hop on the podcast over the next couple weeks. So looking forward to that. It's always just ironing out the days, especially with this season starting up. If you could take a moment to leave a rating, I would really appreciate it as it helps us grow this show and continue to do what we are doing. And, And I can't thank you enough for your support and seeing the numbers grow have been so, so awesome across the entire podcast network and on the website at JustBaseball.com. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.